0: Hi, everybody. My name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. God, I pray for these young leaders that are so important to the life and mission of the, priest, of, the, of the community center, that you would raise up those hundreds over and over again. You'd bring them to the team at the center, and together they'd have a great partnership and the chance to tell a story. And when people talk about the community center, they would say it is a place where the young people in our city, as part of its programs and mission and offerings, the young people in our city are honored and valued and brought forward and given opportunity. And it's a place that makes the future of Redwood City better. God, we ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank Anthony. Good job. Morning, church. Erase P school from your mind. I hope you're getting a glimpse of what God's doing through you. Uh, It's because of you that uh, the ministry and the gospel of good news is spreading off this campus and uh, we are becoming so much more than a church. Uh, We are a mission with a church at its core. Uh, We're so much more than a one day a week thing. Uh, I hope you see five days a week last week. You heard you have a preschool that we have to turn away people and that's not a good thing to me a sad thing, and so God raised up a director saying, well, then let's go off the campus. Let's go put preschool where the people are. And then you just heard about a community center that's at capacity, and people are on a wait list. We have to turn them away. That's not a good thing. Uh, but God put a vision on the, on the center, I almost said preschool, on the center, and um, we're going to the campuses. We are the PE provider of Redwood City. And because of those good works, goodwill is being created and we have principals coming to us saying what you've done at Hawes at PCC Hudson. Can you put a church in our school too? Because we hear of what's going on there. We want that too. That's a miracle. That's awesome. Because of you. Because of you. So last summer I was running uh, in, England, uh, in England. And uh, these are my British friends here. And um, uh, I was running into Kensington Park, and um, I ran across this street called HTB London. It's an, I'm sorry, this church. It's an Anglican church, and it's a world-renowned church. Literally, a ministry called Alpha came out of this church, and I just read through the Bible in a year on my phone. That's B-I-O-Y app. Um, it's just this amazing church, and I, I kid you not, I've never experienced this before. Like a magnet, I was running and I saw HTB line, I'm like, oh my gosh, there, I didn't know. And like a magnet, I was drawn into this church, sweaty and everything. And there's a sign that said the prayer room. And so I showed up in the prayer room. They have a 24-7 prayer room. Someone's praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was the engine behind their ministry. And this sign confronts me, this is from July of 2018. Welcome to the HTB 24-7 prayer room. Come in, do business with God. And this is the line that wrecked me. It's completely reoriented me around prayer. History belongs to the intercessors. Just sat there and sweated all over their carpet for about 10 minutes thinking about that. And I took off on my run, I was running into the park And I just did a little prayer audit thinking about that line. And I thought, wow, just the last month, if God had miraculously said yes to all my prayers this last month, what would be different in the world? Think about that question. If God answered all your prayers this last month, what would be different in the world? I had to come to the conclusion the only thing that would be different were the kind of things that pertain to people who are close to me, like my close family, or you, I pray for you a lot, or myself. And I'm guessing it's not much different for you. If God answered all your prayers this last month, I mean the ones you pray day in and day out, for most of us, if God answered all our prayers, the only person who'd be better off is you. (laughs) Or people close to you. You get married, or... God would reverse time and you never would have gotten married. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) Your kids would have gotten into better schools. You'd be healthy. You'd have a higher GPA if you're a student. You'd get into the college of your choice. You'd have a better job. And and I'm not down on all that stuff. But the reality is most of our prayers center on us. And what I'm saying this morning is don't stop praying for you. God loves that. He, He cares about you. Don't quit praying for that. All I'm saying is this. Here's what I realized running through Kensington Park because of this. Self-centered prayers, that's all we're praying for, produce self-centered followers of Jesus. That's an oxymoron, friends. Self-centered praying produces a self-centered Christian. And we're going to see today that what we pray reflects really what we believe about God. And if you hear anything on this vision, it's so audacious, and the times we're in, all the transitions you heard about them this week, more transitions, um, we need to be praying for PCC. And then I realized as I was running and finishing that run, I'm going to change history through my prayers. I better change what I pray about. Yes, this morning I prayed for me, I prayed for you, I prayed for my girls. I prayed for my wife. I made a commitment to my wife. No one will pray for her more than I do, nobody. But then on this changing history, as I went to my prayer time this morning, I thought, okay, God, and I pray for my city and I pray for churches all over the Bay area. And I pray for the world and I pray for my street. I start praying outside of myself. And then what happens, like a, like a water skier behind a boat, I start having a heart for things outside myself. A heart for my city, a heart for my street, a heart for all of that. I wanna build this out for you, okay? So open to Acts four. Let me show you where this is in scripture, okay? Um, Because it's amazing. And and if you were here last week, you know where we are. If you weren't, let me just give you some quick context. Early church, uh, three months-ish after the resurrection uh, and they're on their own. Jesus has gone to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come down Peter and John are walking in Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified, the very city. He died and rose again and ascended. They come across a man who's uh, uh, crippled from birth. He's asking for money. They heal him. The Sanhedrin don't like that, the religious lawyers. And so they bring him in front of a trial and intimidate them and say, by what name and by what authority are you doing this? They could be killed For their answer to this question, and boldly they say, clearly it's because of Jesus that we're doing this. And look at Acts 4, 13 to 14 in your Bibles. It'll come up on the screen. But here's our theme verse for the whole year, everybody. If you want to hang out at PCC, if you're new here, this is the verse we're going to keep coming back to time and time again. The members of the council were amazed. Remember last week? Who can tell me the three words of last week? Bold, amazing idiots. Great. Okay. They were amazed. Donna, here, you get a piece of gum. (laughs) I love that. It's good to see you, (laughs) my I was afraid to ask the question, actually. Um, They were amazed when uh, reality exceeds expectation, that causes amazement, right? And that's how we should live. What were they amazed at? When they saw, didn't hear, I mean, you need to speak. We'll talk about that today. But they saw something. They saw boldness in Peter and John. for they could see they were ordinary. The Greek word for ordinary is idiotes. That's where we get the word idiot from, okay? The ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men and women who'd been, well, they weren't women, men who'd been with Jesus. Boldness isn't the goal. It's a byproduct of the goal. Being with Jesus is the goal. Walking with Jesus is the goal. Falling in love with Jesus is the goal. He is central to this church, central to the mission, central to the preschool, central to the community center. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus everything. Thank you, John. You get a piece of gum, brother. (laughs) I only got one more. It's supposed to last me all day. I'll give away my gum. Greater love is no man than this that he gives his gum. But here's the problem. Look at this. The Sanhedrin trial would usually end in imprisonment, beating, or death. You see that in the book of Acts. Except this trial. This is like the religious supreme court in Jerusalem. Since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them. Of course he's standing there with them. I have a theory. I don't think he went to sleep that night. He'd never walked his whole life. He probably did laps around the walls of Jerusalem. He probably was skipping and hopping and going, I can't believe this. And then when he went to try, he's like, I'm going with you. And he's standing right there. Evidence, right right there. I'm alive. I'm, I'm vertical. There was nothing they could say. I bolded those because this is what we want to be as a city. What the city sees Silence is what they say. There's a lot of critique out there on the street about Jesus Christ. A lot of misinformation. But you can't critique a changed life. You can't critique supernatural living. And the goal isn't boldness. The goal is Jesus. And sitting with Jesus in boldness, I promise you, will come out of that. <laughs> Thank you. My last piece of gum. I don't have the time. Ted, can you run it back to Angel? I don't have the time to give her a piece of gum. Thank you. I'm not doing this every week. I'm just telling you, our gum budget's not, you know. So here we go. Two vertical, uh, two prayers I want us to quickly learn about. What did the early church, so, so here's what happens. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 23, okay? Acts 4, 23. On their release, so they release them. Peter and John went back to their own people. So the early church is is in a room in Jerusalem and they report all the chief priests and elders said to them. When they heard this, and I want to say this together, I put an underline, let's read this together. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Say that word together again, together. Something so powerful about together. Do you know the night before he died, John 17, you can read this yourself. Jesus, his last prayer for us, the night before he died, was that word together. Make them one, make them one, Father. So much of our Christian life is personal. It's very personal, but it was never intended to be private, never. Your walk is my walk, my walk is your walk. We need to do this together. And that's so challenging here in the West where we are so privatized and are so individual. But we need this thing. We need this together. So look what they pray. Sovereign Lord. And if you write anything down, I want you to write these four words. I want you to walk away with these four words. This this is history-changing faithful prayer. What does sovereign Lord mean? Absolute ownership. Ownership. An unrestrained power, absolute ownership and unrestrained power. Uh, I have teenagers and uh, my daughter would, before she drove, I have a 17 year old, she drives now, but when I would go pick her up, she'd say, I'm ready, I'm at a friend's house or I'm here. Or, I'm like, uh, where are you? And she goes, oh, I'll drop you a pin. Have you heard this term? I'll drop you a pin. Everyone below 30 has, everyone above has it. Um, uh, on her phone. She literally pushes a button, and on my phone, a map shows up showing exactly where she is. And then I hit the direction button, and it drives me right to her location. Uh, She drops a pin. What she's doing is orienting me to her location. It's exactly what the early church is doing. Uh, They're reminding themselves who God is and dropping a God pin. We forget this in prayer. And so much of our prayer is centered on us because we forget who we're going before. Absolute ownership, Lord. Unrestrained power, sovereign. Imagine going before the throne room, understanding that. That's who I'm before. This is what they're doing. Now, look at their prayers. Try to find the letter I or we in the next two verses. Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit. Indeed, Pontius Pilate, Herod met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your Holy Spirit, holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Do you see where I'm going with this? They are... Dropping the pin on God and orienting themselves before this sovereign Lord. Absolute ownership, unrestrained power. I was uh, this week having a pity party in my prayer closet, and I was saying, "Lord I, Lord I, Lord I, Lord I, Lord I, Lord I." The two almost are oxymoronic. And the Holy Spirit stopped me about eight minutes in and said, "Are you done?" can we make this about me i know what you're going through i know your perspective but isn't prayer about getting my perspective so just worship me let's start with lord you lord you lord you i read through a psalm i want to tell you that one minute of reading through the psalm erased all my seven minutes of pity partying I wanna encourage you when you come before the Lord, before any eyes come out of your mouth and let them come out of your mouth. God really cares about the the minutest detail of your eyes. Start with you, that's where they're starting. If you wanna pray biblically, like the early church prayed, we're looking at the first prayer of the early church. It started with, God, you have absolute ownership. You have unrestrained power, you, 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 you. See, what they're doing is reminding themselves they're coming before the throne room of the universe. And literally, they prayed history-making prayers. This is the prayer and reason, the only reason, how Christianity made it out of the first century. If I had another hour, we'd have a church history class, and I would tell you of the thousands of people who've been crucified, we know of only two And there's just absolutely no reason why we should know of Jesus Christ crucified apart from the resurrection and this early prayer. This bold, history-changing prayer. So what did they pray for? Quickly, they prayed for two things. Here's the first. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for boldness. Look at verse 29. Lord, consider the threats. What were their threats? We don't know for sure, but we can only assume it was, you know, I told you, beating them, putting them in prison, killing them. You know, the stuff we kind of face every day, beating, killing imprisonment. Well, no, I'm just kidding. We don't. In the West, we don't. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with what? Now, if I was a consultant for the early church, <laughs> they brought me in and said, wow, uh, teach us. I would say, you know, from my 21st Western century Western perspective, boldness? Wasn't it boldness that got you in this mess? I mean, from my perspective, you're pretty bold. From my perspective, going before the Sanhedrin, who hated Jesus, who denied the resurrection, and in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, telling them there's salvation in no other name, you crucified him, he's raised from the dead, that's bold. Would you agree with me? And look what they're praying for. Boldness? I, honestly, if I was a consultant, I'd say, I, th- I think you have bold covered. But they would say, absolutely not. Because desperate times call for bold living. And the goal isn't bold living. The goal is being with Jesus, which creates bold living. Have you ever prayed for boldness? I'm not talking about weirdness, boldness. You have in your um, uh, brochures, your Bible study notes, uh, the blessed brochures. If you've been around here, this is our bread and butter. This is how the church expands. Uh, And I do this. Our pastoral staff does this. The last round that we did this, I wrote eight names in the blessed brochures, community members, people I'm in friends with. Let me tell you about my first three weeks after writing their names and praying, God, Create divine appointments. The very next day, Monday, after the the spring when we did this, I am filling my tank with gas at Canyon Coffee. I never go to the gas station outside Canyon. Never. And the first name on my blood brochure drives up. I haven't seen this guy for three or four months. And he hops out of his car. What's up? I'm like, I can't believe it. I was just praying. I, I didn't say this to him. I was just praying for him last night. And here he is. And then he says this. Hey, We got to get lunch sometime. Now, if you know the Bless, it it talks about having a meal. I'm like, wow, God, you jumped a letter. Like, we're already eating together. This is incredible. Uh, And I can only, I don't have time to tell you all that went on in that interaction. Three weeks later, the fourth name on my Bless brochure, across the street neighbor, single mom, she's walking across the street, and I, 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 you know, hey, Jan, that's not her name. And she's like, hey, I'm like, how's it going? She has a son and, you know, a single mom on the peninsula with a son. Brutal, hard, my heroes. And um, she goes, it's so hard. And she goes, hey, would you pray for me? I'm like, really? And I said, yeah, what's going on? And she was trying to get her son into a different school district and didn't know how to navigate that. I'm like, well, let me pray right now. And right there on our street, we pray. And then I send it out to our staff, they're praying. And I, I see her that night, I'm like, yeah, I just want you, and our whole staff is praying for you. A week later, she comes back and says, It worked. He's in. And I can go on and on and on. And I'm just like going, wow, what is it about this bless? You know what I think it is? When we go before the one with uh, ups, unrestrained power and absolute sovereignty, he loves it when we pray for other people. He wants to get involved in people's lives. Please, before you leave today or come back next week, fill out that blessed brochure, bring it in, and let us join you in praying for that. So the first thing they prayed for was boldness. You can see that. What would happen if you prayed for boldness in your life? How would that change history in your world, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? Look at the second thing they prayed for, verse 30. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let me remind us all, they're not praying this for themselves. They're not asking, God, give us a miracle. There's a place for that. But they're praying over their city and saying, God, we want miracles out there. Have you ever asked that? What are they asking for? Simply to be able to go out in the community among people who didn't believe. Remember, they're in the small minority. And to live their lives in such a way that people who didn't believe would see something in their world and how they lived and go, wow, that is so not natural. Like the principal of Hoover. Going, I'm hearing what's happening at Hawes Elementary School is not natural. Can you come do it here too? They're praying for signs, which is a, a small thing that points to a big thing. That's what a sign does. Point isn't the sign. The point is what the sign points to and wonders. why. Oh, wonder how that happened. That's what they're praying for. What would happen if we began to pray this as a church, even together, Like, do this individually, but what would happen? We have prayer meetings twice a month. One's for miracles and healings, and one is for just interceding for our city. If if these prayer meetings, my dream, is that the sanctuary is filled of prayers who won't give in and won't give up and are asking God for the city for signs and wonders. Stretch out your hand, God. What would happen if as a church, that was our prayer this year? See, they're asking to be able to go out in the community and demonstrate the power of God. Not for their sake, but for the sake of what God was doing through the church in their community. They're praying outside themselves for people they don't even know. For generations they'll never meet until they get to heaven. I just want to ask this humbly. Has that ever landed on your radar to pray that way? See, my run through Kensington Park was actually a convicting run where I realized so much of my prayer life is absorbed with me and my wife and my girls and my church, you. And there's a place for that. I'm not saying don't pray that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is don't stop there. The only reason we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today is because this first prayer of the early church that prayed outside themselves. is how you pray is how you live. And when I focus my prayers on me, I become self-centered. I want you to hear this with all my heart. I would much rather enter glory Facing Jesus going and him saying, man, Gidini, you swung for the fences in prayer. Great faith. I'd much rather do that and walk into heaven not knowing if God answered that prayer or not. I'd much rather enter into heaven and pray so boldly and and leave all the caveats out that take God off the hook. If it's your will or just general prayers, bless this day. Listen, I'm just telling you, in our day and age, bless this day is not going to work and in changing your life. I'm just speaking straight up as your pastor. You've got to pray boldly. And so I'm asking that God would stir in our heart and raise up a community that prays for the city and prays for the schools and prays for an awakening in a land that's never been touched by revival in our history. The only metropolitan community in the United States that's never been touched by revival. We're living in it. And I'm saying, gosh, not on our watch, Lord. Could there be a stirring in your church in a new, fresh way? Where we pray for boldness, and we pray for signs and wonders. Look, you see the answer in verse 31 that we're going to pray and get out of the sermon. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God, what? Boldly. You know what I think? I think God's gonna answer these two prayers if we're willing to take a risk in prayer. I think he's gonna answer. I think he loves to use his kids to make history. I just wondering, is there a community up on that hill at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard that in addition to my health and my grandkids and my marriage and my school would pray two things and would never give me rest? Boldness, signs, and wonders. So I put a prayer in the bottom of page two. And we're going to say this together. This is going to be our prayer. And I want to invite you to stick this in your Bible or stick this with you, hang it on, whatever, and make this your prayer. Let's say it together. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for that. Pray that you would stir our hearts, that it would be about you. I don't say that as if it's not, but we all need a reorientation towards you to be our center. You promised, Lord, if we put you first and seek you first, that you would add all those other things. So Jesus, we wanna come back to the heart of this and lift you up as sovereign Lord and ask that you use us to make history in our prayers. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church Podcast. We believe you're here for a reason and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We